Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Actors Space. This podcast is brought to you with the support of Creatives at Work. My name is Laura Key, and I will be your host for this series. In the actor space, we talk about the working actor's life. How do we pursue our love for acting while navigating the business side of this craft? We aim to create more conversations about the challenges of building a sustainable acting career in Singapore. And in previous episodes, I've spoken with actors, a casting director, and a director. Today, we are looking at best practices. How can we better understand our rights and obligations as working actors, so we can build a safer, happier, and stronger industry for all of us to work in? And for this episode, my guest is creative director, producer, and curator Jeremiah Choi. Hi, Laura. Hello. Now, can you just share a little bit more about your background, perhaps? Sure. Uh, it's a long story, but I'll try and cut it short. Um, I've always been interested in theatre or the performing stage uh, ever since a young boy. Um, but I first participated uh, in Beauty World in 1988. And since then, uh, I was uh, bitten by the acting bug. Uh, but I was also called to the bar at about the same time. Uh, so I was practicing as a lawyer in the daytime and acting with theater works, a lot of their shows uh, at, at night. Until 1997, where I had to do a major show with theater works that's touring around the world, um, I then left uh, law practice telling myself I'm going to be uh, taking a short two-year sabbatical to just flush out the acting desires and all the ones and the urges whatever it is yeah. and that has been 26 years since until now I have not gone back to law but I'm still very much uh, in touch with the law I mean I work a lot with the law society as well as NTUC um, I think it's a very good bridge that um, I can provide uh, between all the freelancers and all the performing artists out there uh, wanting to know more about the law and protecting themselves and not having the opportunity to do so. So I think we, will, we, we want to go into this whole big buzzing word called best practices, uh, which is happening right now and the awareness is gathering uh, momentum. Um, a lot of people say that our industry is unique because we, especially acting, actors, right? Because we deal with a lot of emo people. And I, I couldn't agree more, you know. <laughs> a lot more uh, artistic, creative side, you know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we, we make, uh, as, as actors, because I, I, I was once an actor uh, and still am, I hope, um, that we make a lot of very irrational decisions uh, because we're not very rational sometimes when it comes to uh, making decisions, looking at negotiations with contracts and other things. And therefore, sometimes we need to take a step back you know, uh, as actors to, to separate our acting career from our acting on stage in that sense. Yeah, yeah. so separating so, the passion essentially. Yes, because this yeah. is a business, it's a career, it's show yes. business at the end of the yes. day. So we have to learn how to administer that business even better, I think. Yeah, I've always <laughs> lived with the mantra that I need to apply the art of business into the business of the arts. I've always tell everybody around me that yes, you love acting, it is your passion. You can, you can go without 
bread or luxury goods or whatever it is, right? But you can't go without acting. That's good. That's the passion. But the thing is that passion is not going to feed you or your family or your potential lifespan as it is. So we need to be able to look out for ourselves, you know. Um, there are many sad stories that I have with my uh, fellow actors. Uh, some of them have already left the industry because, you know, they tell me, they look at their bank account, they only have $10 and they can't even take a taxi home after 11 o'clock. And I, I, I get shocked and say, how come you, you let yourself come to that stage where you don't have any protections? They don't have insurance. They don't contribute to CPF. They don't even feel they have enough, they've earned enough for the year to even uh, 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 put in an income, uh, income tax statement. And even so, even if you don't earn enough, I always encourage them to put it in there to let the government know that you are an actor and you don't earn enough to even pay income tax. And there's nothing wrong with paying income tax because, show, you, you know, the pandemic has shown us that only with these statements that you're able to get grants back from the government, you know, because it's official in, in that sense, you see. So I think it's really important about the income tax as well because we want to prove to the government that we are really doing this as a business. We are really serious about this. So when we show we're serious, and the government will also take us seriously, I think that's the way. Okay, yes. so moving on to best practices, what exactly does best practices cover? I think best practices um, generally for me is what are the norm or the normative practices that uh, a good industry should have, you know, um, from the ability to negotiate a contract to honouring the contract as it is, to the environment that you're working in, um, you know, the safety environment, not only physical, mental, emotional, and even psychological environment. So maybe we will first talk about, say, the contract that you enter into. Many of us as actors, right, a lot of times when somebody calls me and a, a producer calls me, right, and say, hey, Jeremiah, hey, Laura, I'd like you to come for auditions or even I would like, you, I would like to offer you a role. Um, the first thing you need to ask is, what is this project about? You need to understand the perimeters of the project. Like for people who are filming, is it a long-term project? Uh, even on for theatre, you know, uh, what is this production? Is it a play? Is it a musical? Is it a monologue? What is this about? A lot of actors don't. The moment you get a phone call, they get so excited already. Then Yay! They are, yeah, okay, yes. <laughs> they need to know. They need to know what is the commitment. Like uh, like your long-form drama, sometimes three months, some six months, whatever it is. That, and you, you cannot take on any other projects. Mm. And then what if they ask you to be on this long-form drama and they only give you three episodes? And then what? And then you're yeah. stuck, right? You cannot then, you cannot do anything else, you know? So as a contract, you need to understand five elements. Offer, acceptance, consideration, Intention to form a legal contract, the terms and uh, conditions of the contract. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people think that a contract is an agreement, an agreement is a contract. Well, they are right and they are wrong as well. All contracts are agreement, but not all agreement are contracts. For example, Laura, I ask you, hey, there's a nice show Zazam on, you know, let's meet at the theatre today at one o'clock, okay, let's go and watch that. Uh, movie and you said yes so we have an agreement to watch Sazam right 
then you didn't turn up. Can I sue you? I can't because that is an agreement. That's not a contract. However, if I say, hey, Laura, there is a movie called Sazam. I offer to buy you a ticket. You offer to come watch it with me, you know, and uh, therefore these are the terms and conditions and there's a legal intention to form a contract for you to come watch the movie with me. You don't turn up, I can sue you for that because that agreement has become a contract. Mm. So when you negotiate agreements, right, there must be two or more parties to agree <laughs> to an offer and acceptance. Then yeah. we have the third element of consideration. What are, what are you paid? How are you paid? And consideration mm. doesn't necessarily have to be money, right? So I can say, Laura, you bake me a cake, I wash the car for you. And that can be considerations. So considerations can be money, goods, or services. And then, of course, there must be an intention to form a legal contract. So in our negotiations, even as we are joking right now, I show that I'm serious, that I want to sign a contract with you, mm. right? That the, con the negotiation will lead to something legal and contractual. And finally, you need to have terms and conditions to the contract. And this actually then highlights what are your responsibilities, your obligations, and your rights as well. So this first part of negotiation, whenever you get a call from a producer, is very important. Now, a lot of but people, all these things, right? Do they have to be down in paper? Ah, was or is it like written? Yes. Yeah. Uh, in Singapore, oral contracts are valid contracts, except when it is in relationship to land deals or tenancy agreements. Otherwise, when I offer you on the phone orally, mm. okay, it can still be a valid contract. Yeah. However, if something goes wrong with the oral contract, it is your word against my word. Yeah. So I would always encourage you know you to reduce it into writing or a voice recording. Uh, writing can be in your WhatsApp, your you know, uh, yeah. or simply if the person doesn't want to offer you a template contract, right? You just write back an email and say, "Hi, Laura. Thank you very much for the call just now. Thank you for your offer to for me to appear in your show, and we have discussed these terms." And I agree to the fee of $3,000, $5,000, whatever it is. Yeah. And it will start from when to when. And you agree to pay me 50% at the signing of the contract and 50% mm. at the end of the contract. You, you lay out all those terms. Now, this okay, will then be evidence of a contract, oral contract that you have spoken. And you dump it into his court or her court for the person to counter offer back to you. And then again, you counter back until you have a form of an agreement, mm. right? This forms evidence of the negotiation. Now, the good thing is if the person doesn't come back to you and you started on the project, then yep. there is an assumption of the courts that the person has agreed to whatever you've stated in the email. But a written email, must it be replied with I agree or... No, it don't have no. to because mm. as I say, a contract can uh, be valid when it is oral, okay? Mm. The oral contract or the email or the unsigned template contract can then further be evidenced by conduct. So if, for example, you say, uh, I, I, I say to you, Laura, tonight I have a gig. Huh? You come to this uh, so-and-so uh, club. You come and sing uh, two songs for me. I'll give you $600. You must wear, you know, something, something, something. All right. Then you appeared. You didn't say anything. You appeared tonight and you sang the two songs. By conduct, 
the contract is up. Mm. You know, even though we did not agree to anything. So at the end of the day, it's all about evidence. Yeah. What have we have to show to the court what has been discussed, what is agreed upon, and by conduct what is done. Yeah. So these are the things that we need to look at. But actually, I think sometimes it's also a fear, right? Definitely. It's also a fear of speaking up. You're fearing being blacklisted or you're fearing being seen as being difficult. Even though you might speak up in a very polite manner, sometimes people might view it as, you know, being antagonistic or you're just creating trouble. That's true. And that has been around, especially a lot of the younger or emerging artists uh, feel that if I speak up against uh, the producer, the director, I'll be banished, I'll be blacklisted, whatever it is. Yes, there is a risk to that. But again, I feel that the industry needs to be educated. The industry needs to improve. I strongly encourage, especially for younger actors whom they feel that they may be blacklisted and they are, they are accepting things that they uh, they are not comfortable with like for example if you read certain contracts that you may have, you, you may be at degrees of undressing or you may have a kissing sh- scene that you're not comfortable with or you may be in a physical situation that you, you're not comfortable with or you may be in a psychological situation that you're not comfortable with you need to negotiate out of it and if you can't take it then don't take it because you will get very stressed you can't perform your best then people may not ask you back again you know, so this understanding of the contract and ability to negotiate that contract, in all honesty, tell the, the, the producer, I love your production, but I can't work with this director because I had a history with this director. I can work professionally with this director, but I need somebody to always be in the scene when I'm working with this director. You just need to state your terms very clearly, of course, and to just be be bold to be able to speak up and protect yourself, I guess, at the yes, end of the day. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you don't want to be mentally or physically hurt. Or psychologically what your hurt. Work, or psychologically yes. hurt by your work, right? Yeah. Mm. So it goes into even uh, what we call work, work health uh, issues as well. You yeah. know? Because a lot of people think that a safe working environment is uh, making sure that the harness is working carefully, uh, properly or it's a physical safety, which is important. But there's also this different stratas of safety that we, as actors, that we have to look into because we're working in a very fragile industry. As I said already, all of us are damn emo, right? It's a very we, vulnerable yes, industry, right? Because we, we, we expose ourselves dealing with topics that, are, that can potentially harm us as well as actors. So we go into not just physical spaces, but social mental, psychological, emotional spaces as it is. But a lot of audience don't understand how much of trauma an actor goes through every night, relieving the same, same old trauma, same old PTSD that we yes. go through, you yeah. know? Uh, and, and they think it's so easy to just put on and, and leave the character off stage whenever we come out. No, we need to be protected. We need to have that safe environment as it is. I think the community is very important, the community yeah. of support as well, because you yeah. don't want to be alone. You don't want to be vulnerable in that state. You want to have yes. people that can support you and bring you through that whole traumatic experience as it is. It's like a real traumatic experience, isn't it? It is. And you, <laughs> you, you, can you imagine you relieve it every uh, every night or even twice a day if you have a matinee yeah. show, right? And the <laughs> thing about it is how do you come out of it? How does it not follow you home so that work safety environment 
does not only include physical, as I said, it becomes social. Like if even in, you know, your co-actors are very hostile to you, are very toxic. How? How do you, how do you work in that toxic environment? You know, yeah. and unfortunately in this, in this industry, there are a lot of bitchy people around, right? I mean, we can't help it, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but how do you get out of that bitchiness in that sense? How do you get out of this toxic social environment? People posting about you, even your haters, you know, posting on mm. social media. And a lot media of trolls yeah, and people trolls who just and come that, in right? and comment hateful things. Yeah, people <laughs> hate you just because as simple as having a pimple on the nose, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like, how do you deal with that kind of yeah. psychological and emotional abuse, you know, as well? So that work-safe environment is, is important as well. So as I was saying, even in filming, right? When the cameras and all are set up and you have like a, a thousand NGs and time is pressing, all right? So as an actor, yes. you have a right to say, stop, I need a pee break, I need a tea break, I need to eat lunch, whatever it is. That is your right. Yep. But when do you exercise that right? Not when uh, things are happening and you feel that, okay, the next take is going to be a good take and uh, we are running over time and all that. And by you asking everybody to stop, you are incurring losses, you're incurring uh, whatever it is, are you able to stretch yourself a little bit more? If so, do so. It's your right, but you need to balance that right. You need to balance against your responsibilities as well. Because when you demand that kind of rights, you need to deliver you know, your goods, mm. so to speak. Even, as I said, even as you are uh, demanding or maintaining your rights, right, you can do it in a less confrontational way so that people know that yeah you have an issue but you do it in a nice way instead of just throwing a diva tantrum in that and then people will yeah. know that you're a diva yeah and i think also first and foremost it's about putting yourself in other people's shoes as well you know whether it's a producer or director you know we need to understand the actors and the crew and vice versa as well it's really treating one another as human beings rather than as machines on set or on stage, you know, uh, just do my work and, you know, it's okay, don't feel anything. But we need to kind of recognise that we're all struggling. Yeah, I've seen actors bullying crew, young crew. I've seen yeah. them like, oh, fetch mm. this for me. Why is it not done? You know, even as an actor myself, uh, if I dare say I'm a more experienced actor, even I go on stage, right? I will yep. check my props and my costume myself. Because when mm. I was a younger actor in a monologue, you know, and one day it, I, I was uh, taking off my makeup and the tissue paper is not on stage. I can't scream at the crew mm. because I didn't check that the tissue paper is not on stage, even though it is the crew's responsibility to put the tissue paper on stage. You know, mm. even, mm. even no matter how veteran you are, or how seasoned you are, how experienced you are, you check your own costume, you check your own props. That's rule number one because you are going to be on stage and you are, you are, you're going to be you know, stuck without the tissue paper on stage at the end of the day. So you can't stop the whole show and say, tissue paper, please. You can't, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm, correct. So you have to take responsibility and for your own obligations. But let's say if we really do face an issue like with contracts or with payments or we face an issue with our production, what can we do? What do you think? I think first and foremost, um, find out what is the issue. I mean, we had recently had a production company not paying actors. This is not a rare case. It is actually, unfortunately, quite frequent. Not paying them, not paying them on time 
or not pay, paying them fully. Okay, so um, a lot of time uh, we need to look at the contract that we have signed and what was agreed upon, right? Sometimes the contract says that you will only be paid at the end of the project. Sometimes the contract says you only be paid at the end of the contract, but so long as the person who commissions the producer pays them, then they will pay you. You have a right to negotiate out of that clause because as I believe, right, whatever the producer signs with the commissioner or the person who commissions the production is between the producer and the commissioner has got nothing to do with you. The producer still need yep. to pay you and pay you on time, regardless whether the producer mm. is being paid at all. I feel that as actors, right, even though acting is a passion, you need to make acting as your career as well. So anytime during uh, negotiations of contract or even uh, actualizing the contract, you don't feel comfortable, first thing first, speak to the producer. Don't go and bad mouth, don't go and gossip at the back or don't go and you know uh, create rumors, whatever it is, because it's not good yep. for you. Because at the end of the day, mm. you try and sort it out in a negotiation level. Of course, at the end of the day, if the producer is not helping you to solve the problem, then you have to find other ways of solving it. I mean, if, if you're old money, then you, you have the small claims tribunal or you can sue the person in court, which is a tough thing to do. But do not shy away from your rights if your rights are you know, violated you know, or trampled upon. But at the same time, you balance it with your own responsibilities because if you're always late, if you don't remember your lines, you don't do the things that an actor should be doing and if people want to cut your fees, then what can you say? Because it's a job after all, right? So our, our reputation is as good as the last project that we're on. You know, a lot of people rather work with a hardworking actor than a talented actor. Uh, because mm. uh, the hard hardworking actor can be molded. The talented actor, you know, yes, talented, no, no doubt, but may not guarantee to deliver, you know, uh, at the end of the day. Is there anything else about best practices that you want to share? I think it is uh, the responsibility of each and every actor, not only to protect yourself, but to come together as a singular voice for the industry. Because as a collective, I think it's... Um, a stronger voice. Then, of course, you need to protect yourself. You, you need to have insurance, savings. I know a lot of actors, the moment they earn, they go and buy the next Prada back. <laughs> I mean, no, not necessarily <laughs> Prada. La. They go and treat themselves something good. But they yeah. spend on whatever they yeah. need to spend on and they don't think yeah. about saving at so the end of the day. So savings is important yeah. because, you know, you don't see income coming in. You're dipping into your savings, all right? Your cash flow is having issues, okay? You will begin to take jobs that is below your market rate or that's something that you, ref you don't want to do, but you're getting desperate and you're starting to do that. And then that sullies yeah. your branding and your reputation in the industry. So undercutting, yeah, you can get a, a, a quick uh, influx of money, but you're actually living on borrowed money, so to speak, because after a period of time, people will not hire you because you underdeliver. So people don't realize mm. that, you see. So savings actually is a psychological aid to you not undercutting, to you not having to panic, to you not having to worry. Even if you're getting jobs rolling in as practitioners, we know that sometimes cash flow, people don't pay you on time. And when people don't pay you on time, mm. you have cash flow problem. So you're depending on that $5,000 yes. job that you did last month. It doesn't come in this month. How? You got stuck. Then how are you going to borrow what? Yeah. 
uh, live on your uh, credit card or go and borrow loan shark. You can't. You need to have cash flow. You yep. need to have savings. So I think, yeah, it's really important to keep track as well of your income and expenses to know how much you're spending. And also what I do personally is I put aside money for savings first. That's very good. So like I receive $1,000 and I put aside 30% That's very good. of it into a bank account that I cannot see so that I won't spend it immediately. So you have that savings there. I think. Yeah, but also another notion is that as freelancers, okay, or, or, or people who work on a project-to-project basis, you need to put into the fees that you are earning, your 13-month bonus, whatever month bonuses that you want to pay yourself, and working over time because uh, as freelancers, we usually work on Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, which most people get double pay as a result of that. So that mentality... Uh, that we need to re-educate ourselves as actors and as freelance uh, as well, you know, because we, we don't think of it that way. And there are a lot of expenditures that we do not take into consideration. A lot of actors that I know are subsidizing the producers because they're under code, right? So your, yeah. your, every month your expenditure is 3000 but you earn 2000 That means what, where does this 1000 deficit is going to come from? Your savings. A lot of you don't think of it that mm-hmm. way. Your makeup, for example. I think these yeah. are all the costs. Yeah, these are all costs of running a yeah. business that sometimes we don't take into account. We just think about, oh, you're spending this number of hours on set. You can just exactly. pay me for 12 hours yeah. or something like that. But there's a lot more costs than going to that that you don't really think about. For example, yep. when you when you prepare for a scene, you need like, it's, although it's a 15-minute dialogue, you are preparing three hours to memorize that. Where's the three, three hours cost mm-hmm. that you're, you're, you are quoting? What about your makeup, your costume? A lot, unfortunately, right, in the industry, there's a lot of uh, people asking you to bring your own costume, bring your own clothes. Yes. Those are assets. And who is paying for that? You are, but did you put it into business costs? Yeah. So these are part and parcel of best practices because not only yeah. the actors need to understand it, the industry as a whole needs to understand it. And therefore, mm. the next time you ask for a $3,000 fee, even though you usually ask for a $2,000 fee, as an actor, you're able to substantiate why the increase in that fee. And as an industry, the industry must understand why the increase in that fee as well. For so long... So there's a lot of education yeah, of service yeah. buyers that we need to do For so as long, well. we've yeah. been subsidizing the industry. So every time when you go into a project, okay, don't just be emotional and say, oh, I'm very happy to be cast. Finally, I'm in a show. That's only the first yeah. step. But you need to look at the business around that show that you're doing. You know, If you cannot protect yourself, then you come out of the show very bitter. You come out of the show very angry. And the people who are working with you will also feel that bitterness and the anger. And they don't want to work with you ever again. So don't think it's a very insular industry that we have. Your reputation precedes you, okay? So um, you do need to have a good reputation at work, apart from being good-looking and being talented. As I say, good looks and talent can only bring you so far. Yeah, I think this is a common thread, actually, throughout a lot of the episodes here. We've been talking a lot about being a decent person first and foremost. And I think that's very important because in this workplace, we're all very emotional. You know, we've been repeating this. We're all very emotional, very vulnerable. But we need to first and foremost be a very decent person and also a very professional person, I think. 
Yeah. Yeah. Professionalism is important. So professionalism is tied to best practices. So you must understand the industry before you understand yourself as an actor. So with that, thank you so much, Jeremiah, for your time today. Thank you for inviting me. And I hope those of you listening will continue to listen to this podcast because I think it's very important in your career to understand what other people are thinking and what other people are doing as well. Thank you so much. Now, to survive as an actor, I think we definitely need more than just passion. As Jeremiah says, we need to apply the art of business into the business of the arts. And as an industry, we need to work towards best practices, including better contract negotiations, fairer payment terms, and safer work environments. As actors, we need to learn how to speak up to better protect ourselves. So as always, if you want to continue the conversation, you can drop me a comment or message on my socials. I can be found at LauraKeyLT on Instagram. In the meantime, please follow Freelance Creative Exchange. Rate and review us and tell your friends all about the actor space. In our next episode, we explore actor training. What is actor training? And do actors really need to be trained to work in Singapore? Send me your thoughts and I'll catch you again next time.